Welcome into the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. My other co-host, Dan Faulkner. And if you were listening to this podcast right now, you were the fan of a university that is now 10, uh, no, not 10, 100 million dollars richer. I was underselling there as we got one of the biggest donations, not just the biggest donation in Mississippi State history, one of the biggest donations ever in the history of any four-year institution worldwide. Um, I already forgot the names of the donors, and I'm a little bit off by, uh, or I guess being slightly distractible, not including that, just pulling it up right now. Uh, George and Kathy Bishop donating $100 million to Mississippi State. Surely that is going to buy us a lot of quarterbacks and linebackers. No, it is not. Uh, it is not contributing to athletics. It, it's clearly going to uh, scholarship funds for, for the university. But, hey, that's kind of cool. So much money coming into Mississippi State, uh, like a, a record-setting donation. Yeah, uh, and it, it's it kind of gets the name out there, and it, it just makes you think, right? Uh, guys uh, with as much influence and wealth as, as George Bishop, right, um, with, with Geo Southern, uh, wanting to give that to, to us, right? That's a, that's a huge deal. Um, shows that he believes in what this university has to offer, what it does offer is more opportunity for people to come to Mississippi State. Uh, that, that's what it offers. More, more people, uh, and you want as many people as possible, right? As a university, you want to get as many students as possible, and you want to get the best of the best. Uh, and if you can offer to pay for their, for their school, well, you're in luck, right? You're, you're, you're already helping yourself out. Um, so, yeah, no, it, and it's nice to see it, right? And you probably... What it's mostly all of it going to scholarships, right? Not towards any building, any campus buildings or anything it, like that. It's solely, solely donated to scholarship, which that I, I mentioned the little athletics thing there. That is sort of the debate that you've seen on Twitter and on message boards today is like, okay, yes, uh, higher education, we get it. And you want to help somebody be able to get to school. But in this NIL era, would it, would it not be nice to, uh, MSU is lacking in NIL. That's just a fact. Um, you saw a nice surge in the aftermath of John Cohen leaving because it was a bit of a wake-up call, but it was also a bit of a, like, I mean, let's be honest, it was an FU to John Cohen is what it was uh, because he, frankly, did not put more forth much to raise up for NIL here, and Mississippi State fans were going to make a point to say we're going to commit to that. Really fell off since that point, and – Look, I don't know if MSU's overall slow start to football recruiting to this point has anything to do with that. I kind of feel like it probably does. It's just the era of the sport that we're in. You want to make sure that you have the money that you can you can get guys to – I mean, at the end of the day, you got to buy players. People can hate that. People can say what they want, but that's what it is now. And, uh, you know, you always think Mississippi State doesn't have the type of boosters that they could do that. Turns out we – I mean, I get this is an outlier example here, but – you got to see that it's like, okay, man, it's nice, but I wonder how much they're giving the Bulldog initiative. I'm not trying to cr criticize too much here. I'm criticizing a little bit because I'm a sports fan um, that I get, like, you give your money to what you want. But hopefully we, we this means we can see some stuff moving forward. Like, I don't know how this helps out the school enough that maybe they're not having to take funds for athletics and, and use it for the school because that's the other thing. There were reports coming out that – MSU gets all that money from TV. It does not solely go to athletics. Part of it goes back to the university because um, that's how the school wants to make it run. Maybe donations like this can uh, help for that not being the case because I would 
I really want us to, you know, win some more games. Speaking of football, uh, I say speaking of football, speaking of sports, uh, ESPN released their FPI uh, preseason rankings um, or power ratings, I guess, which has become an annual tradition solely because it's an annual tradition of everyone in the college football universe being furious. Uh, FPI comes under criticism pretty consistently because it feels like it's an annual tradition where there's a few teams that get put out there that just do probably are not deserving of being ranked high. Um, I believe this is what spawned. Uh, if you listen to the Andy Staple show on the athletic, he and Ari Wasserman, they put together their own list of rankings that they now do every few months. Uh, and I forget the, the exact acronym that they put together, but it's supposed to sound like something all, uh, you know, scientific and the acronym spells ass clown. So that, and, and it's like the, the rankings are just meant to like make people mad, which they, mm. they judge off FBI. I'm like, just looking at it right now. You see a team like Texas, number five, people are going to be mad about that. Although I tweeted out, I am buying into Texas in 2023, which is scary. I saw scary that thing, and I didn't know how to react to it, man. They should be good. They should be good. But we say that about Texas a lot. <laughs> But if, if, but if you're saying that's different. <laughs> we don't need to break down Texas on this podcast, but that offense might be incredible. And if their defense is any better than it was a year ago, plus with the Big 12, so many questions, they should at the minimum play for the Big 12 championship. If they don't, massive uh, disappointment of a season. You guys don't care about Texas, so you care about where Mississippi State ends up with these things. Because whether you take these uh, view these rankings as valid or not, we know how fans work. You want to get mad at it. Or you're either going to praise it if it says your team's good, or you're going to say it's trash and bad. Well, Mississippi State comes in at number 32 overall in FPI, which is kind of in that, you know, okay, range. But then what you see is that MSU ranks 10th in the SEC in FPI. And what's going to make people matter, projected record of 6.3 and 5.7, essentially 6-6. Six and six. Um, FBI gives MSU a grade of 7.8, which basically is saying that they believe state is 7.8 points better than average in college football. Um, but again, it's the SEC and just being a little bit better than average is not going to always cut it. And don't running through this list right now, Ohio state, number one, that alone's going to have people mad. Number two, Alabama, number three, Georgia, number four, LSU. I mentioned Texas at five. I'll just read off the SEC teams here. Tennessee at number 12, Here's where everyone's going to be furious if you're a state fan. Ole Miss, number 16, coming into the FBI. Florida at 18, that is a head-scratcher. 19 for Texas A&M. Uh, Kentucky at 28, Arkansas at 30, and then you have your Bulldogs at 32. Rounding out the SEC, Auburn at 39, 40 for Missouri, 42 South Carolina, and I'm not scrolling down to find Vanderbilt because we know they're last. Um, the The – the other thing he the, the big thing though is like the projected record of six and six. We talked about a few weeks ago that this team, it's kind of fair to have some questions about them. I was curious for preseason rankings what go into FPI. They take into account four factors. Number one, uh recent history. I think that's actually coming off a nine-win season. That's not terrible for MSU, but the seasons before that weren't great. Um coaching tenure, you have a first-time head coach, returning starters. You return a lot on offense, but you lost a lot on defense. And then recruiting rankings, which for Mississippi State, essentially you recruit like a team in that 25 to 35 range. 32 kind of makes sense. You're kind of mid there. So I think it's a little bit understandable why FBI would be low on MSU. 
Yeah. Uh, and like I said, we addressed it in a podcast before. There are questions to be had. And, and right, just from the spring game, and obviously FBI doesn't really – they don't care about spring football. We just get excited about it, right? We get an yeah, opportunity. It's a computer to algorithm. Exactly. Uh, we get excited at the opportunity to watch it, which I was glad to go see, you know, just so the first half of that game uh, and just the way the team played, right? Good – and I know you talked about it before, that good throw from Will Rogers to Xavion uh, Thomas was, was pretty cool. But I'm not here to talk about spring, right? FBI – it, it makes complete sense, actually. Tenth in the SEC. I, it, when I first saw that and I heard that, I almost in my head kind of thought it was a bit generous. All right, states and by the computer is ahead of you mentioned South Carolina. Uh, that was a little bit shocking to me, you know. But obviously, South Carolina they might have some questions, but they they were on the rise, right? They looked really good to to close out the season a year ago, and and they got the bid against Notre Dame. For the bowl game, right? They they're basically going to play Notre Dame wherever Notre Dame went. That was what a lot of the talks were going to be, and they got them. Well, you know they they got some momentum coming in. And they they still got Shane Beamer, right? We we went through a coaching change, so yeah, uh, that one was a little bit of a shocker to me right there. And right 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 around there with Kentucky, that does sound about right. Yeah, and and we'll ask questions about. You know, Ole Miss and all this and that, right? Will they repeat what they did last year? Because what they did last year was just kind of they started hot, ended bad, uh, but they looked really good when they were playing well. Uh, we we can't take away the fact of that. They looked really good when they were playing well. Uh, won won a few pretty good games. I uh, didn't didn't close it out. Uh, and then yeah, you got Mississippi State tenth. Uh, I think that's perfect for them to be right. And and look, if you're in the locker room in Starkville. Uh, you can make it bulletin board material, right? We're picked tenth out of fourteen. Like you can make that bulletin board material. Um, it's not like you know we're picked dead last. Not to what some people say is like we're always projected to finish dead last. Like no, we're not. But we are down there, you know, near the bottom. Um, you know, you can you can use that as motivation, right? Let's beat those projections, um, and, and you have some decent expectations there, uh, and. The fact of the matter is, in Starkville, we do have expectations. You see the way the fans reacted to every loss that we had a year ago, right? And you only had four. Um, you only had four losses. After each one, though, right, you saw some some crazy overreactions, even uh, even that Georgia game, right? Eventual national champion by not, – not just national champion. I mean, there there's uh, a huge gap between one and two and Georgia being one, right? So – People were really upset after that loss. Uh, that's just because there's that kind of expectation here in Starkville now. So uh, at least that's what social media tells us. That's what it tells me. Now, uh, that, that that's kind of what I'll say with that. I, I'm okay with Mississippi State being at 10. Um, I'm not going to say it's generous, and I'm not going to say it's unfair. I think it's right around where Mississippi State should be. And they they've got room to improve, but – being at 10, there is room to fall as well. Uh, and you have to be careful of that. A few other things I'll say here. Like, keep in mind, it, it's MSU 10th in the SEC, but 32 overall. Um, that is, it's still suggesting MSU it views as a pretty good team. It's not quite top 25 caliber, but still a solid team. It's just, it's projecting that you're going against the SEC because you can scroll through this. 
there's quite a few teams below Mississippi State that have better projected records than the Bulldogs do. Um, a, a couple other things here. Give State about a 71% chance of getting to six wins or reaching bowl eligibility, a 0.4% chance of winning the division, and 0% chance for anything beyond that. Uh, I don't think any of us anticipate the Bulldogs competing for the division, although I did hear – I think somebody covering MSU projected like a 10-win season. I think that's a little bit bold. Uh, but, hey, a couple other things with this. Uh, my guy Ethan Lee over on Underdog Tribune, uh, he put together a piece showing the predicted uh, FPI's prediction in terms of percent chance of winning against every uh, opponent. Here's some notable ones. It's only gives State about a 19% chance against LSU. Uh, against South Carolina, it gives them about a 46% chance. I don't really care what it has to say about Alabama. It was like purely 50-50 against Kentucky. Arkansas gave the Hogs a pretty decent chance. A&M, this is one that will have people annoyed. It was about a 29% chance for Mississippi State to win that game. I think that's a little low. Uh, the one that I have people you know, most mad, the Egg Bowl, only gives State a 39% chance at home of winning that Egg Bowl. But like I mentioned, it has the Rebels uh, projected as a the number 16 team in the country. Um, now again, talking about strength of the SEC, it has them as like the 16th team in the country and like 7.6 and 4.4. So like right between seven and five, eight and four is kind of what it expects for Ole Miss this season. Um, we're talking about, look, FBI, I don't think it's, it's certainly not great. There are other evaluation methods. I, I like SP plus a lot more, but I will say this, and I know cause people are going to say, well, this is just FBI hating Mississippi state two years ago when FBI came out. Mississippi State was the team everyone was mad about, not Mississippi State fans. Mississippi State came in as like the number eight team in the country a couple years ago in FBI. I don't know how many people remember that. Now, a few days later, that was changed because I think it was very clear, like Mississippi State was like, I think they made some sort of adjustment to knock Mississippi State down. But even last season, they were higher on MSU than a lot of other people were, and MSU ended up having a pretty good year. So I don't think that it's, you know, this is just computers hating MSU. I don't think people need to flip out over it. Um, but it, it's understandable why it has the Bulldogs a little bit lower. Moving over to baseball. Um, saw today, uh, I guess either today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Saw some bracketology coming out. Uh, and D1 baseball, MSU fans, I know, pay the close attention to Kendall Rogers and his gang over there. MSU is one of the last four teams in the field. as a three seed over in Wake Forest Regional. Um is it, is it crazy to be talking about this Bulldogs team? At the, I know we've said there's a path, but is it crazy that you're already seeing them projected back into the field? Not necessarily. I mean, you've won back-to-back series, one of those being on the road, the other being a rivalry series where you showed resilience for the first time. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree, right, going into the ninth inning on Saturday, you just weren't sure if they were going to come back. It just wasn't the kind of situation uh, that they typically come back in. If you talk about the team two years ago, yeah, you know they're coming back. Even last year at times, they they had huge comebacks. And you're like, go in the ninth inning, you're down. You have a really good feeling about the team. This is the first time that people in the media have seen Mississippi State uh, be resilient against a quality opponent. Regardless of how bad Ole Miss is, it's still in conference. It is a conference quality win. Um, and and then you showed up and showed out on, on Sunday. And I think they're starting to see improvement on the mound. 
as well. That That's where it gets better, right? You, you can no longer say Mississippi State is the worst pitching staff in the SEC. They're starting to figure it out. They're starting to throw strikes. They're starting to limit the damage, um, right? It didn't give up a whole lot of runs to, to Ole Miss this weekend. And, and right, we talked about on the show last week before, it's like, oh, yeah, naturally it'd be a, a 3-2 uh, a game or something like that. And I think it was game one, right? And you're like, oh, ha-ha, exactly what it was. And then, I mean, aside from Saturday, right, 5-2, the final on Sunday, not a whole lot of runs been scored. Uh, and, and and that went against Mississippi State normally does, right? Score a lot, give up a lot, hope for the best. Not Not the case. And I think that's the reason why they're putting State in is they're like, all right, this team's going to pick up momentum. You have an opportunity, a real opportunity against a not-so-great Auburn team at this present moment. It's still an Auburn team that made it to Omaha a year ago, but at this present moment, they are not a good team. Um, So you've got a huge opportunity to get three wins this weekend. Um, And and, and I think Kendall Rogers believes that Mississippi State will and bump themselves up to 8-10 and in conference. And an 8-10 and team has a way better chance – and going and we've had this conversation what three and week three weeks in a row now thinking like if they ever got a chance like they got to go now but they've just done just enough to keep their name in the conversation just enough to stay alive uh at the committee picks right now no mississippi state's not in uh but but this projection isn't for today april 20th when we're recording this this is for a month from now uh you know on memorial day when they're gonna be selecting the regionals over a month from now. So, yeah, there, there's an opportunity right there. And they believe that Mississippi State will do what it takes. That That's what that projection's saying. Because uh, based on the resume right now, no, they don't deserve it. Just give them the time. And that's what they believe. So that's national media showing some sort of belief in Mississippi State. It's almost a little bit, like, not quite the same because obviously men's basketball got off to such a great start. But, like, think about the SEC, the start to SEC play men's basketball had. They were 1-7 in league play. And – but they were still in. You, you weren't seeing bracketologists at this. Well, no, it only took them a couple. Like MSU baseball took a couple wins to get back into discussion. Once they picked up a couple wins, all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, MSU basketball has a chance if they can close out this stretch strong to get into the tournament. It's kind of the same way for baseball. And you meant I think the pitching turnaround is definitely a big part of it. Um, you know MSU has bats. You know they they can hit the ball, um, and, and score runs. It's do you trust the pitching and. Ole Miss, we, I think we oversold their lineup a little bit because uh, we left out the, there was some context that in SEC play they had not been as good as their overall numbers had been, but they still got some dudes in that lineup. And MSU's pitching staff handled them really well. And if you're paying attention from a national standpoint, like that, that stands out. And I can see MSU getting more attention. Like in terms of not being probably the worst pitching team in the SEC, like it's probably the team they're facing this weekend. So you're right. You have a big opportunity here awaiting you as you head to Auburn. Um, look, really, state needs to be eight and seven the rest of the way. 13 wins is kind of the magic number in conference play that if you're there, you, you feel decent because of where state is with their RPI. Uh, they sit at 26 currently. Um, you feel like you have a good chance at getting in if you can hit 13 wins in SEC play. Uh, that's not going to be easy because some of the series you have down the stretch, but look, Tennessee is five and 10 in SEC play. Obviously, the Auburn series is one that you feel like you can win, you feel you can go to Knoxville and win. Um, a&M is a team who they're okay, but they're certainly not great. State could get that series. I believe it's in Starkville. Um, and then it's, you know, 
it's Arkansas and LSU on the road. That's going to be incredibly difficult. But if you can find a way to just not get swept in those series and take care of your business elsewhere, you feel okay. And I, I've said it, you know, for the last couple of weeks, you're probably two games back where you really should be. You should have taken a game against Kentucky. You should have won the series against Carolina. But if you get a sweep here at Auburn, I think that's finally getting one back. Um, you didn't get the sweep in Tuscaloosa. You didn't get the sweep in Ole Miss. Both of those weekends would have been opportunities to pick up games and, and get back on track. This is another one of those opportunities. Yes, it's tough to get a sweep on the road no matter who you're playing against, but th this is one of your first chances. Now, we talked about MSU's pitching improving, but unfortunately it feels like we're – maybe unfortunately, we don't, we don't know for sure. You're making changes again. It felt like the lineup and the rotation had finally been set. Now as announced, Colby Holcomb, who has been – probably your top arm coming out of the bullpen outside of Nate Dome. Um, obviously, your best middle reliever by far. He is your starting pitcher on Saturday. So it's Cade Smith Friday, Colby Holcomb Saturday, and then you're going back to Durantolo Sanja on Saturday. Gartman has looked solid the last couple of weeks. I mean, do you think this has to be an injury, right? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, no reason that it's not. Uh, especially considering the way he's been pitching. Uh, I, and until Cade's return, right, Gartman was our most solid starter, especially the way he performed against South Carolina, uh, against Alabama, and, and this last week against Ole Miss. I mean, he, he, he's he been really good. Hopefully it's just a one-week off kind of thing. Hey, give him some time to rest, get him back up. He's good to go. And you have him back for the last, uh, last four series in the SEC. So I'm – I'm not too worried, but let's just hope it's – that's why I'm just going to say let's hope it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think – obviously, I mean, the biggest concern there, of course, is, I mean, I guess it's two things. It's one, you don't you don't know what he's going to look like in a starter's role for this point. And then two, that's for a bullpen that obviously was better this past weekend, but overall the season has struggled mightily. Losing one of your top arms out of there is difficult. So, going to be something to watch, but, I mean, lucky Auburn – we'll start talking about their lineup here. Not a great batting team. They're pretty mediocre. Um, and I'm not going to give you a bunch of advanced, you know, not advanced, exact stats or anything. But the, when you, in terms of where they stack up in SEC games, and at this point, I think when you look at stats, you need to focus on just what's happened in SEC play. Um, they're among the SEC's worst in batting average and on base percentage. They strike out quite a bit. They don't score a lot of runs. Pretty middle of the pack and everything else. Um, MSU's pitching staff, for as much as it struggled, they get a lot of strikeouts. And, yes, they walk a lot of guys. But Auburn is a team that doesn't walk much. And we said last week, Ole Miss is a team that had not been getting on getting many walks on the season. And, you know, I, of course, I was like, yeah, that's going to change this weekend you watch. But State didn't walk Ole Miss much. To, uh, Friday and Saturday, two walks, I believe two walks apiece or two or three. You actually, on Sunday, you walked six guys, but it didn't matter. You were still able to get out of it. If State can kind of keep that up once again like they did last week, I think this is a pretty good matchup for you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like you said, we just thought, oh, against Ole Miss, of course we're going to screw it up. Of course we are. Um, no, they're they're finding that momentum. They're they're finding ways to to get out of jams. Like you said, I mean, you know, it, it, you're you're gonna have to have an answer for like when when Casey Hunt starts to lose it, right? Each time you're thinking, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe he'll break out of it. Sunday, you thought maybe he didn't. Allowed the game to get tied up before uh, before Hunter Hines gave State the lead later on in the game. But, you know, really outside of him, you haven't just had any complete disasters. 
I, I wouldn't even say Casey was a complete disaster. Just it wasn't ideal. wasn't good at all. Um, but his time nearly uh, might be up. But, yeah, what you're facing this weekend, I mean, you've got a few guys to look out for. A guy who's going to be on the All-American name team, just because I like the name. It's cool. Ike Irish, their designated hitter. 34 average, a 4-5-1 on base percentage. He's not a huge homer guy. He's only got three on the season. He's going to get on base a lot, right? He does a lot of that. He can. He does drive in quite a few runs, 27 on the season. You know, he's, he's early up in the lineup, getting a lot of hits, doing really well. Um, like I said, All-American name team, Ike Irish. You're going to hear his name a lot, right? They're going to talk about big matchups with whoever we have on the mound. Next big guy, third baseman Bryson Ware, a 359 average with 15 home runs, 45 runs batted in. He is their big power bat. I mean, 15 home runs, right? Uh, that's a lot so far, you know. And, and this season, you are seeing some guys like just mash a lot of home runs. Uh, Ethan Petri out of uh, South Carolina, Caglione out of Florida, Hunter Hines here at a state, and, and Bryson Ware out of Auburn. I mean, we got guys hitting a lot of home runs this year. It's a lot of fun to see. Bryson Ware's one of those guys. He's fun to watch. Um, and 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 he's done a lot of good for Auburn this season. Uh, two other guys to look for, I'd say, are the shortstop Cole Foster, 338 average, five home runs, 27 runs batted in, right? Nothing too exciting, uh, but he is doing well in helping this team get the runs that they need. And then the last guy we're looking for is their top base dealer, Justin Kirby, the right fielder, only with a 260 average. He's got six stolen bases on the year. He has driven in 27 runs. A few of the names I, I'd keep my eye on just for this weekend, right, for when State's on the mound. And and I'd say especially all right, with a guy like Irish or Ware, uh, they probably might get walked a few times, right, just because they're dangerous hitters. And who knows if we're going to pitch around them or try or just come attack them, right? That That's the question. Are we going to just try to attack their top two guys in the lineup or are we going to kind of pitch around, see what – if they're going to chase anything, right? It, it's all a matter of, of how we approach it. Um, and I don't know how we're approaching it. We, we attacked pretty well with, with Ole Miss, like you were saying, uh, Andrew. So maybe we'll keep that up and might win a few games. Hey, you hope so. Uh, looking over for Auburn pitching, I mentioned earlier, this is the team that I feel like you it's overtaken MSU as being the worst uh, pitching staff in the SEC, at least based on what's happened over the last few weeks. Uh, they've been really bad. They're, they're worse in the SEC in SEC games of batting average allowed. Worst in walks allowed, second worst in ERA, second worst in total hits allowed. They're the worst in doubles allowed, worst in hit by, number of hit by pitch. Um, one, among the worst at getting strikeouts, really the only thing that helps them out. They don't give up a lot of home runs. They turn double plays, and they can get guys stealing, um, which that stuff's obviously key for them because, like I mentioned, offensively they're not incredible. They're, they're fine, pretty middle of the pack. When you talk about an MSU offense that does actually walk quite a bit, they don't get a lot of strikeouts, and they have a good batting average. I think that's a lot that's in MSU's favor. Now, the big thing, though, um, one of the big things coming into the season for MSU was that last year offensively they were really over-reliant on the home run ball offensively. They could score runs, but they were not great about getting runs. It, it, it was They struggled to get the timely hits, and it was a lot of like, all right, it, if Hunter Hines and Kellum go, go long, great. But outside of that, you're not getting much consistent production, and you just kind of put yourself in some tough spots for as bad as the pitching staff was. The offense was not without blame. Overall, MSU has been better about that this year. But I do think the Ole Miss series, I, I can't say, obviously, they were clutch hits because they came at key times. But if not for home runs, MSU is not winning that series against Ole Miss. So I do think that's something you do got to watch for in this series, that 
Auburn is a team that doesn't give up a lot of those hits. That's one of those big things for MSU that they, they you can't rely on it. But overall, I, this is an Auburn team that's going to let you get on base and can give up quite a few runs. Yeah, and you got to be patient at the plate. And looking at the guys that they're going to put on the mound, and I'll talk about the number of walks quite a few of these guys have because it's significant. Tommy Vale is going to be their Friday night starter, a 3-1 record, 4-3-4 earned run average in 37.1 innings pitched. 41 strikeouts on the year, so he's averaging more than one strikeout per inning. However, he's got 25 walks. Not an ideal K-to-walk ratio, um, and, and even though he's, he's striking out quite a few guys, he's putting a lot of guys on base. So once again, like you got to be patient at the plate. Uh, Christian Herb Holtz, an 0-3 record, a 5-7-4 ERA, 31 and one-third innings pitched, 27 strikeouts, 15 walks, a bit better at you know, not walking as many guys, but he's giving up a lot of hits. I'm not really striking out a whole lot of guys. He's a pitch, more of a pitch-to-contact kind of guy. But with that 5-7-4 ERA, right, he, he's just giving up strings of hits after a while. We don't know who's pitching Sunday yet. I've got two projections, either Will Cannon or Drew Nelson. Uh, Drew Nelson pitched on Saturday last week against Alabama. Got completely lit up. He has a 5-9-2 ERA. And 24 and one third innings pitch, but Will Cannon, uh, he he's been pretty decent actually. A 3.72 ERA in 29 innings pitch. He does have three saves on the year, so I was wondering if he'd more likely come out of the back end uh, in this game in this series. 29 strikeouts, so exactly one strikeout per inning, but 18 walks on there. So keeping up with that theme, and a few other guys to look around at out of the bullpen, right? Cannon or Nelson could be coming out of the bullpen. Parker Carlson, a three ERA, just 12 innings pitched, though. 16 strikeouts, 11 walks. So high high walk, high K rate, right? I mean, this sounds familiar, right? This is us talking about Mississippi State three, four weeks ago, right? If, if, or some other podcast talking about the Mississippi State series coming up for their team. Man, uh, quite a few strikeouts, lots and lots of walks. Uh, two other guys to look for as well. John Armstrong for a eight ERA, 31 innings pitch, 29 strikeouts, 13 walks. And then Chase's Bell, a 7-5 ERA, 18 innings pitch, 26 strikeouts, nine walks. High ERAs for anyone they're going to throw out there. You're just going to see a high ERA for anyone they put from the bullpen. So that's just to be expected. And like I said, it's going with that that theme. They're 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 walking a lot of guys, and especially in SEC play. That's really when it's kind of gone off the rails for Auburn. It's where it started to fall apart. Um, so, hey, you never know, right? If you're patient at the plate, you're not too aggressive on the base, right? Don't like, don't just try to steal just because you think you can, right? Because, uh, like you mentioned, right, they're pretty good at getting guys out. You have a shot, right? You have a shot to put up runs. And all looking at everything, and especially how recent series have gone for both teams it does swing more in favor of mississippi state which is a weird thing to say considering the doom and gloom we have been preaching on these previews the last six weeks or so yeah um some analysis here from our guy colton uh because he, he wanted me to make sure this got included in the show a win on friday would be massive um only Arkansas and A&M have beaten Auburn on Friday so far this year. And in those games, Auburn scoring 6, 6.6 runs uh, runs per game, only giving up 4.2. But then on Sundays, Auburn is 1-7-1. and one. They had a tie with USC. Um, and their last win on a Sunday came in early March. In those games, 
They're giving up 10 runs while only scoring 5.2. Now they're five and four on Saturday, so it's kind of a hit or miss thing, which obviously that's going to be, that's a game you're starting, uh, you know, Colby Hulk. So that's going to be huge there to see how, how that works out, trying to piece together the pitching staff on that day when that's going to be probably a pivotal game in the series, regardless of what happens. Um, but I, I look, if you can win Friday, that puts you in a great position to try and go for a sweep. Um, I, I think, and, and this is what, you know, Colton wanted to hit on. If you can extend Cade on Friday, and obviously I get it, that's fully dependent on how he's feeling, how he's looking out there, but that'd be huge for you. Because if you can try and save pitching for Saturday to just put together a, a, a complete game out of, out of your staff on that day where everything you got to throw them in on Saturday, do it to get that win, you kind of trust. You can just kind of light this Auburn team up come Sunday. So, I think if MSU gets the win on Friday, you have to feel really good about them getting the series, but they give themselves a great chance at a sweep. If they do get the loss, you still have a shot at the series. But, I mean, Saturday becomes very, very tricky for, for MSU. So, just real quick, what what is your prediction for, for MSU this weekend? Obviously, winning the series is the only way to keep postseason hope alive. The only way. Um, and RPI, right, state is above Auburn right now. Look, my, my predictions are never good on this show. It was one off last week. You actually nailed it last week, right? Uh, and and not going to jump too far ahead of myself. Mississippi State is going to take two out of three, and I do think we're going to drop the Friday just because Auburn has done statistically very well on Friday. Mississippi State's kind of hit or miss with that first game of the series, right? They haven't uh, – besides Alabama, they haven't won that first – game in the series yet in the SEC. I, I'm going to go right there with you. I'm not quite ready to predict a sweep for this team. Um, yeah, But if they can get one this weekend, you're in a great spot. But I do think they're going to be able to go over to the Plains and get the series win. Friends over at softball, it's not been great. Uh, we only have a couple minutes here left on the show. But they, again, had opportunities against Alabama, couldn't quite get it done. Um, what's it looking like? Not good. Not good at News Park right now. Um the turntables, right? Oh, oh, how the turntables. Uh, a few weeks ago, we thought, oh, softball is going to be just fine. Baseball, yeah, they suck. No, it's actually – now, unfortunately, it's the other way around. 11 straight SEC losses for this team, their last place in the conference. You're running out of losses that you can, quote, unquote, afford. And to save any hope of any sort of postseason, you need to get a singular win, just one win in Baton Rouge. They're playing LSU, really good lineup, decent pitching alley, Kilponen. Uh, going to be pitching the circle some, and and really she's really solid. Um, Hannah Carson, Macy Bergeron, both really good hitters for LSU. Um, it, it's it's not going to be easy, um, but this team has faced adversity before. They did last year at least, right? At, at times, and they or questions if they'd make the tournament. They did. Look what they did with it. They made it to a super regional. Uh, but you have to get a win right now. The time, the, right at time now, basically. And if you get swept again. That's it. That that's it for really. You have to win in Fayetteville for the uh, SEC tournament. You have to win at least two games there, which was really hard for the 13th ranked team. It's unfortunate how things have turned for softball. Such a great start uh, to to SEC play, getting that sweep against South Carolina, and since that point, it's just been really downhill. So that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully, softball can turn it around. Hopefully, baseball can keep up their momentum. I mean. You got a chance for baseball to get themselves right back into postseason play. I said a while back, I, I don't know if I said it on the show. I said it off air. I do not want to talk about a coaching search. So hopefully baseball continues to turn it around. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Dan, for hopping on. As always, swing your sword and hail state.